0: So how are you doing?
1: I'm fine. I'm uh, I'm okay. You know, at our at our age, we must be happy when we wake <laughs> up. <laughs> well, listen, you got a train to catch. You ready to get started? Sure. No, that's, uh, you know, it's just uh, we 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 can talk a little bit. At uh, first, I wanted to tell you, you know, congratulate you for what what you have done during your. How long were you there? A month? Yeah, a
0: month, yeah, and al- almost a month in May, so uh, two months in the last uh, six months.
1: Yeah, uh, in May, we missed each other in May, too. Later. Yeah, I know. I have to make it a little louder. Okay. Uh, and, and you were traveling both times?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Went uh, Traveled more this time. The first time I went to uh, Shenzhen, Changsha, outside of Changsha in the countryside, went to Zhuhai. Oh, I forgot to mention Zhuhai. Yeah, I forgot to mention Zhuhai. And then uh, and then in the second trip, uh, I was in Shenzhen. And then uh, Hefei in Anhui, Huaybei in Anhui, Huangshan in Anhui, uh, 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 Zhangjiajie in Hunan, Went out in the countryside uh, in both places, and then went down to uh, uh, Guilin uh, in Guangxi, and also took went out drove out into the countryside too. So yeah, I was just and then back to Shenzhen. It's just it's just
1: amazing. It is just, amazing. And <laughs> you want me to talk about China? I mean, you know everything. <laughs>
0: no, but but you but you've been to Beijing. It'll be nice to hear what you have to say and just, you know, compare and contrast, you know, with what you uh, with because I haven't been to Beijing since two thousand maybe seventeen. So it's been a while. So uh, where do you I, fly to? We flew to Hong Kong both times because to fly to Shenzhen back in May was like Twice as expensive, and you and you have to go through Shanghai. There's still no direct flights like there were before COVID, and so and and Hong Kong is so cheap. And then you just take the the ferry, the 30-minute ferry directly from the airport. They even transfer your baggage and everything. It's amazing. You just walk up to the ferry port desk, show them your your ba- baggage tags from your flight they replace the those baggage tags with their baggage tags and the bags are transferred from the airplane to the boat automatically. It's really nice.
1: And the boat takes you where?
0: To Shuko. Uh, Shuko port in Shenzhen, which
1: is 30 minutes away. Oh, that's terrific. Yeah. And from there you take trains.
0: Well, no, yeah, well, yeah, well, obviously in Shenzhen, taxis and metro and bus and then we did we did fly from Shenzhen to Hefei on October 1st, because it was National Day and I was really worried about the trains, but then everything else. uh, Hefei, Huaybei, Huaybei, Hefei, Hefei, uh, Huangshan, (laughs) Huangshan, Zhangjiajie, Zhangjiajie, Guangxi, Guangxi, uh, Shenzhen was all, uh, except for one leg, it was all uh, high-speed trains, you know, 305 kilometers an hour.
1: Uh-huh. So, uh,
0: it's just, it's just, uh, it's a different, it's a different world. It's just, and it's um, so
1: cheap, it's so cheap yeah, to travel, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. I don't, I, I forgot how much I, I paid from uh, from Shanghai to Beijing, which is uh, 1200 kilometers. Uh, in this super high-speed train, you know, it, it, I think the maximum speed it registers was five hundred and uh, thirty, and in three and a half hours, we were in uh, in in uh, in Beijing. So and they
0: are they already have the five hundred kilometer train going between uh, sh- Shanghai and uh, Beijing.
1: Yes, already in two thousand nineteen. Uh. They just uh, they just uh, I think in two nineteen. They opened it, uh, but I, oh, yeah, we were on we that train twice, actually, because I had to get back to Shanghai to take the plane. And we have a direct flight, which is not too bad, a direct flight from Geneva to Shanghai.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah, you're very lucky. Uh, I'm looking at, you know, tr- uh, flying back in April and still there's no direct flights to Shenzhen. You've got to go through Shanghai and huge layovers and and it's just Hong Kong is so cheap and it's it's so easy. And with the tr- baggage transfer, you know, you don't do anything, you know. And, and the th- it, it does cost f- 60 bucks. No, no, not 60 bucks, about 40, but it costs $40 to take the ferry directly from the airport to, to Shuko Air, Shuko Port in Shenzhen. But it's worth it. It's hassle free and. You're in the country in 10 minutes and it's just really, really slick. So, uh, well, listen, tell us about, uh, well, shall we do a quick intro and, uh, and we'll get, and we'll get started. Can I give you a quick intro? Uh Uh-oh. Can I give you a quick intro to introduce you to the, to the
1: fans? You, I I lost you totally in between for about uh, two minutes or so. Oh my gosh. We were totally interrupted, so I didn't know. Uh, I didn't hear you. Okay. And I don't well, sh- know whether you heard me.
0: Well, I heard you. I, I think it wasn't two minutes for me. It was only about. I heard the 530 kilometer an hour train.
1: Okay. Be- Beijing,
0: Shanghai, Shanghai, Geneva. So I think we're okay.
1: Shall well, we- next next time. I think next time. I think we should try to coordinate this to be together there. That would be great.
0: I would love it. I would love, I would love, I would love it. It'd be a, it'd be a, it'd be a, a fantastic. So, uh, but I,
1: introduce it to our friends in, uh, oh
0: yeah. Peter, what was his name? Peter and some, but two guys, I, you, you, you copied them on a, on an email. So Paul would love, would love to meet them. Paul and Albert. Yeah. Paul and Albert. Yeah. Would, would love to meet them. You know, of course. You know, we lived in Beijing for 13 years. I mean, we're we're Hello. old Be- we're old Beijingers. I mean, uh, that's, like, that's like my second. It's like my second city. I love that place.
1: It's just I, I love it too. I love. But you're right. It's very expensive. And the one where you want to live, I looked it up a little bit. I've never been there, of course. It's in the south. Must have a beautiful climate. That's yeah. expensive. The city looks great. I mean, it looks. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's about ha- yeah. You know, uh, I, I I could not afford today. I could could not afford to live in Beijing, Shanghai, uh, Shenzhen, um, Chongqing, uh, the bigger cities. I couldn't afford to live in uh, live in them today. They're just too expensive. But the second tier cities like Xi'an, um, uh, 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 Xiamen. Uh, some uh, of some of the, the less maybe well, Tianjin's probably pretty expensive too. But some of the lesser, some of the second tier cities are, are are really quite reasonable. So, uh, and Quinming is one of them. And uh, uh, oh, uh, uh, Chengdu, the capital of of uh, of uh, Sichuan, is is a lot cheaper. And and so because they're they're you know they're away from the coast. You get on the coast and it gets really expensive. Yeah. So. Uh, but it's still a lot cheaper than France, that's for sure. I mean, even Beijing is cheaper than, you know... Beijing and Shenzhen are cheaper than France, so, yeah, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, yeah, and so, everything uh, is cheaper than Switzerland. As you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Switzerland's even more expensive than France, I think. I know, I know.
1: <laughs> Maybe not as Paris, but... Uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, uh, Normandy,
0: Normandy's, Normandy's, you know, but it's still... You know, I was sitting there, uh, bought a kilo of, of beef tips, you know, just bought a kilo of beef tips. You know, it's not a great cut of meat. It's like to make stew, you know, beef bourguignon, beef bourguignon, you know.
1: Yeah.
0: And uh, 25 kilos, uh, 25, sorry, 25 euros. For a kilo. For a kilo. And so I went on my WeChat I went on my WeChat forum, because there's a lot of people in that forum that are living in China, I said, how much would a kilo of beef tips, how much would a kilo of beef tips in, uh, would cost you in China? Oh, I even said filet. I even said filet. I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't even say beef tips. I said filet. Filet fillet meat, you know, boneless meat, you know, filet, tender, because it turned out to be tough as leather. It was not very good. And uh, they come back. Oh, you know, uh, uh, 50, 50 to seventy Zimbabwe a kilo. That's like that's like eight. That's like eight eight to eight to ten euros a kilo. Yeah, yeah. So so, so it's 10, like well, yeah, one third the price. One third yeah. the price. And uh, as I was going, as I was traveling around, I realized you know everything in China is about three to seven times cheap. Three yes. to seven times cheaper than France. It's just unreal. Just yeah. Unreal.
1: So uh, <clears throat> even Beijing, even Beijing. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, listen, comrade. Let me introduce you, so you can so you can get to where you need to go, and uh, and uh, let's do try to see each other before when you get back from uh, from Peru. When do you get back?
1: I don't know yet exactly, it's a whole issue with the residence card and so on, but I think uh, probably the latest in April, probably earlier.
0: Okay, all right, all right. Well, that'll
1: be a beautiful time to be there. Of course, I know the
0: country's in turmoil, but um, uh, in in terrible turmoil, but uh, you speak the language and (coughs) and your wife is
1: from there, so you've got the inside track, right? Yeah. Um, got, did you go? Did you travel with your you now this time with with your wife in China?
0: No, no. The first first time in May I was solo, and the second time I was traveling with a, a business partner who's uh, who's uh, who helped form form my new company in Shenzhen. So uh, uh, we're gonna we're gonna have a company we're gonna have a company together in uh, in in Shenzhen. So. Uh,
1: Oh, that's great. What kind of a company? Well,
0: it's, well, it's basically to, to it's, you have to call it, it's a consulting company, uh, for education and educational consulting company. And, uh, and, uh, I had a company, you know, I had a company back when we were living in Shenzhen from 2016 to 2019. And, uh, uh, but unfortunately, it was be, during COVID. I couldn't go to China. Everything, everything was closed. Not it was, you know, France was closed and China, in China, was closed. So for three years, I couldn't go to uh, couldn't go to China. And so of course, there I couldn't do anything. And so the company was canceled because there was no economic activity. <laughs> there was no business activity for over a year. So they canceled it. So when I went, so when I went back in September, you know, end of September and October, my CPA, I've got a CPA uh, in, in Shenzhen, and we went back and got a new company launched. And it's so easy, you know, they're, they're so business friendly in China. And so, and, and, and so in one afternoon, I had, uh, you know, we had a new, we had a new LLC company created and, and uh, I, I you know I still have a thousand videos and photographs <laughs> that I need to, that I need to post on Twitter but I'm just I'm just not finding time to do it but one of the pictures I took was of this center this business development center in Shenzhen and you go in there's 56 windows 56 uh-huh. windows and the place is packed with people creating their their own companies and it was just so easy, you know. You just, you know, you sit down, fill out the forms and everything. And and when I did it in two thousand and sixteen, I did it by myself. Uh, and uh, <laughs> but I had time because I was already living there. This time I didn't have time, so I asked my CPA to help. And so and so, but we got it done in one day. We, had, we created a new company in Shenzhen in one day. Terrific. And so, uh, and with that, and with that, you know, you can get, uh, you can get um, residence permit, work permits, and all that. So, uh, so anyway, well, listen, let me introduce you so we can tell the crowd what a special guest you are today. Friends, this is Peter Koenig, and he is an old, old friend of mine, and we have known each other for years. He has been on China Rising Radio Sinoland several times. He is a regular contributor to global research. I'll put all these links on, uh, on, the, on the webpage. He has been traveling around the world for 30 or 40 years. Uh, his wife is from South America, so he's a, got a, an incredible global perspective. He's lived in the United States, He's traveled, I think, probably on, on every continent in the world except maybe Antarctica. And uh, have you have you been to Antarctica, Peter? No, no. <laughs> okay. Every continent. Have you been to Australia? Yes. Okay. So he's been on several every continent. Times,
1: several times. <laughs> I had a residency in Australia. Okay.
0: Every continent except Antarctica. And, uh, and so... Uh, He's a world. He's a world traveler. He's he's worked for the World Bank for years and years and years, and he just was in in China. I think was at the same time I was in May, and he was in Shanghai and Beijing. I have not been to Shanghai and Beijing for now for five or six years, and I just wanted to get him on the show and just tell us about his trip, what he saw what what he thought you know and everything else so welcome peter to china rise to land again
1: <laughs> thanks jeff it's always a pleasure to talk with you as a friend and to be relaxed and uh, and laugh together and of course sharing our very positive experiences and most of them are as you said uh, chinese experiences yeah i i love to go back to china every time um, i feel I feel in many ways, I feel much more at home in Asia and particularly in China than in Europe, much, much more.
0: How many times, when you went this last time in May, how how many times had you been in China? I mean, approximately.
1: Oh, you know, in earlier times when I was at the World Bank, I I worked in China and uh, so I, I went there several times. I don't know, maybe. 12 15 times as oh, so. well
0: wow. okay okay Incredible. All, all together
1: yeah you know, my 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 first experience of course you landed in Beijing but then my first work experience in uh, in China was in Wuhan of all the places we we developed a, a sanitation project in in Wuhan that was in in the 90s if you look at Wuhan today, which uh, which I did. I mean, I wouldn't recognize you. Don't recognize it anymore. The difference uh. in in everything, not just in in that city, also in Beijing. I haven't been to Beijing for three years because of COVID, and when I came uh, in uh, in May, uh, it was it was a, it was a different city almost. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. of course, you had some landmarks which are the same. They don't move. But the city has so much developed. Things change so quickly, mm, mm. and especially in the bigger cities. Maybe in the smaller, a little less. But it's it's amazing what the Chinese do and uh, how quickly they, how efficient they are, uh, in 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 everything. You know, we just talked before we went on the show. We talked about the the super fast train which i think came on stream was inaugurated sometime in 2019 i didn't even know that
0: i had i had no idea yeah
1: because
0: of, because of covid i had no idea 530 kilometers an hour
1: all right and i think it could oh, it could go faster but it's um, it's one of those uh, magnetic elevations.
0: Oh, maglev
1: maglev yeah and uh, the distance between uh, shanghai and beijing is about 1200 kilometers. It took us about three and a half hours, maybe even a little bit less. And you know, it uh, the maximum speed, and you can always see it. See it, and it's so comfortable, it's so fast, it's so exact, it's so punctual. You know, you talk about punctuality of space trains, forget it. I mean, this is this is has nothing to 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 compare with, and uh, you can always see the speed on on, on top. Hmm. And I think-
0: They posted at the head of each car. They posted at the head
1: of each car. So so the maximum that I can remember was 530 Ah, kilometers per hour, but it can go more. But you know, there are lots of cities in between um, uh, uh, Shanghai and Beijing. And of course, then it slows down a little bit. And I think we had even, we had, I think three stops. Uh, on on that on that stretch it's amazing it's really fantastic
0: yeah when they first came out with the with the high speed trains um, um, they I mean it was like it was like Guangzhou to to Beijing and there was nut you didn't stop it was like a direct a direct like like an air like an airline and uh, but then they made the commitment that they promised to have high speed train service for every Prefectural city, the, the the capital of every prefecture in China, which is like ca- the ca- a county in the United States, you know, it, like a county in the United States. Well, maybe bigger than a county, like, like it, maybe a region, like in, in like like maybe dividing Oklahoma in five in five different in five different districts. So now the high speed trains, like from Shenzhen to Changsha or or Shenzhen to Hefei they stopped several times and but but so that all and they just built these hundreds hundreds of railroad stations all over China just like mushrooms it's just unbelievable and they stop two minutes and they're gone again it's 305 kilometers 500 kilometers an hour on these high-speed trains. And and I made a comment to someone just from Shenzhen to Changsha, which are two considered two second-tier cities because they've only got 17 million and 14 million people, respectively. They're second-tier. <laughs> I just, when I got on my, you know, I got on my phone app, you know, I got my phone in Chinese, and I was looking for, I was looking for, trains you know to take from Sh- from Shenzhen to Changsha between these two second tier cities there was either 53 or 58 trains a day that's <laughs> just like one every 30 minutes and they're I'm full cool. they're like they're they're like 300 kilometer an hour buses they're like buses yeah, it's just just unreal.
1: Uh, it's unbelievable. It's a, and it's the same experience I made uh, with the, the 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 subway, the metro system in in Beijing. First of all, you know, even though it's it's in it's in Chinese for people who not speak do not speak uh, Chinese, uh, every city is announced in in English too. You can see it on top. Mm-hmm. It's in English. Uh, that's that's one thing, and it's so easy to understand. It's very very simple to to get on and off uh, these trains. And in, if I remember correctly, I think they had about eight or ten subway lines in, lines in um, in 2019. Now they have 18, mm-hmm. and I think the maximum they are planning is is 24. They that's that's the plan right right now to have uh, twenty-four by I think by two thousand and twenty five, if if I remember correctly. Yeah. So you can what the, the, the target is, and I'm sure they will reach that, and even now it's almost like that, that from one metro station you never have to walk more than a kilometer to your destination. Within a city that has in the the inner city, the city itself, Beijing has about twenty-one or twenty-two Uh, million people, but larger Beijing, which has, well, you know better than me, which has, uh, I think, uh, three large suburbs around it comes to, I think, more than 40 million people, uh, which is all connected. But even within these 21 million, you have a subway system where you never have to walk more than a kilometer from one station to your destination. It's amazing,
0: and, and for people who don't know Beijing, it is really spread out.
1: It's, it's really just, spread out. It, it goes, know.
0: it goes forever.
1: I mean, <laughs> there's no, there are now mountains that separate. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's uh, the biggest mountain is is probably the. The Summer Palace. Yeah, uh, Coal Mountain, Coal Mountain,
0: outside, yes. outside of uh, outside of the Forbidden City. Yes. yes. So, uh, well, what was it like in Shanghai? You know, you hear all these these Western, you know, MSM. Oh, the economy's dying, and there's no one there. And what was it like in Shanghai?
1: Well, I, you don't see anything from economy dying. Of course, this is Western propaganda. Either it's Western propaganda or they don't know how the economy ticks of China. And uh, maybe both, uh, but uh, there's, of course, you know, when when China had this enormous growth, 12, 13, 14% or 10 and so on, uh, that that was one, one thing that, uh, of course, it was much easier because they started from almost zero. Uh, but, and it could continue like that, but the, the, the world, the rest of the world doesn't keep up with it. That's one one thing. Then um, I spoke with, uh, with, the, with the professor who has become a friend in the meantime, uh, who is an economist, and who was actually at the same time in Washington when I was with the World Bank, he was the executive director for china at the at the, at the IMF at the moment oh wow so uh, we have so we we know what we are talking about we're talking the same language and and he explained to me what's actually happening and i think this makes a lot of sense uh, the n- number of reasons why why the growth rate drops and as soon as the the growth rate is something very linear And that's invented by uh, the the GDP stuff is invented by the Western economy. And it doesn't give you any indication on what the distribution of wealth is, who is poor, who is rich, and what produces how much. You can break that down a little bit, but it's still not not really an indication how the economy, the internal economy works, not even the external. So what he explained to me uh, is uh, that... There's a huge difference, as you know, between the East Coast, the East Coast is enormously developed, you know, all over the place. It reflects, it's also reflected in the cost of living and in the prices. And then you have the interior, particularly the West of China and the center of China, which is much, much less developed. And that, uh, that, of course, for a country, uh, a socialist country like China, this doesn't work in the long run. You know, you need some kind of an equality. That's one thing. But the other thing is that there is an enormous difference, a social difference, which could uh, uh, bring uneasiness among the people. And therefore now there's an enormous migration between uh, the uh, inner part of or western part of China and the East Coast. Uh, for work that is needed in, uh, in, in at, the, at the East Coast and also for uh, people to send back money. So to, to, to put that on a more equal train, they have started to develop uh, maybe some five years ago if I remember correctly, they have started to develop, put the accent of development more on the interior mm-hmm. of China and when you travel in the interior you probably saw that on your recent trip there's a lot of going on of infrastructure school buildings housing uh roads and train system transportation is particularly great uh in in china and and so a lot of that is put into into the internal development, so that people feel more at ease staying home, they have the same education opportunities as they have it in in the East, and it's already tremendously changed, and particularly the housing, you know, what they do in housing, how quickly they... (laughs) It's unbelievable. It's it's unbelievable. You know, if if you just live in the West and have never been to China, it's it's very difficult to understand. So this is one of the things. And of course, if you do that, if you have internal development rather than export-oriented development, then the, the growth rate slows. But that doesn't mean that the economy is not working and probably working even better for the country itself. That's one thing. Then the other thing is uh, that they have also done is reorienting uh, their uh, trade, the, particularly the export trade towards Asia, uh, and they have recently, I think at the beginning of 22, 2022, uh, inaugurated the inaugurated what the abbreviation is called the RCEP. Uh, that's the largest free trade agreement in the world. It encompasses uh, 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 10 Asian countries, ASEAN countries, plus uh, four, they call it. And the plus four include uh, Japan, South Korea, uh, Australia, and New Zealand, I believe. They are part of it. So, you have about 14 countries, and they project. They have already done pretty good in the first year, in the second year, this year, uh, even better and they project that within within the next 3 to 5 years their trade potential is going to exceed the entire trade of all other trade agreements in the world mm-hmm. you know that will create an enormous if if you could calculate that in western style gdp it would be something just enormous i haven't done that yet but uh, but but you could do that And this works quite well. Now they will have uh, this uh, APEC meeting that started today in uh, San Francisco, I believe. Mm -hmm. Uh, They will certainly, I'm almost sure they will talk about that and how that is gonna uh, affect the, the, the rest of the world and how it can be partially integrated and so on. But what is important, And that's why i'm saying it is it makes a difference in in the chinese economy also Um, or in the western indicators of the chinese economy to say it in those words Uh, it is totally de-dollarized you know the all the trade within this huge trade agreement are in either local currencies or in a currency chosen by the countries that trade with each other it could be very often. It's probably the Chinese yuan, uh, but it can also be local currencies. Actually, China encourages trading in local currencies so that you that each one of these countries they have to set up between each other swap agreements. So that the swap agreement is very simple. You know, it's, it's basically a bank account uh, between the different central banks, and so you avoid the Western payment system. You just deal with each other. I think China had for a while, I don't know whether it still existed, it had for a while one with even with France, uh, a swap agreement, and probably with other Western countries. That That's very possible. So this is the easiest way. Now, eventually, what they probably will do, they do to, to create a virtual currency, something according to, you know, similar to the, to the, to the, to the IMF's. Uh,
0: special SDR, currency. yeah.
1: Uh, SDRs, uh, yeah. yeah, but it's not and of course it's not yeah it has nothing to do with the IMF but it applies the same principles where uh, the 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 weight of the, the different economies are averaged out according to each country that participates and you have a virtual currency with which you trade. Mm. and you can even use that virtual currency that many countries do in the West with the uh, with the SDR. you can use that currency as a reserve currency Mm
0: -hmm. Uh,
1: and so this is most likely from the talks they're very i had many many interesting talks in in beijing uh, with the with the renmin university and the chong uh, young center for economics Uh, this is goes going to be most likely the 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 the, the payment system they will eventually come up with for the new Mm BRICS. Uh, you know, some sort, it's not there yet. And probably what they will do is also start out with uh, swap agreements between the countries and deal with local currencies or or with the Yuan, but also not in US dollars. Mm -hmm. And all of that, of course, affects uh, not only psychologically and sociologically, the West and how it judges China, but also, of course, in fact, uh, you know, the the how how to measure growth in China is much much more uh, different. Uh, if you orient uh, orient your trade much more to uh, Asian countries now, to this to this trade agreement, then then you're kind of re- reducing your relationship, your trade relationship with the, with the West, and and obviously for good reasons. Mm-hmm. although i must say it's not easy for china to de-dollarize and the chinese know that because there's a symbiotic relationship between, between the united states and, uh, and and china they depend on each other for to, to a large extent i think the the us and the west much much more than than china on the west but still there is a, there there is a, a mutual dependence and, and all of that contributes to what the, the beginning of this conversation was, you know, how does the economy do? And is it true that nothing works? That's that's BS, that's, yeah. that's, that's, that's uh, Western talk.
0: I uh, can verify with you, the one thing that stuck out to me as I was traveling, you know, like I said, I was in Anhui and province, which is supposed to be this, you know, poor backwater province in China, uh, and Hefei was, you know, used to be the armpit of China, and now it's, you know, and now it's like a model of development. And, uh, you know, Zhangjiajie, um, <coughs> et cetera, and when I was in Changsha in May, uh, the thing that just, that just slaps you in the face is the amount of low-income housing that's going up. I mean, kilometer after kilometer after kilometer of high-rise apartment apartment building just going up like mushrooms and you know my family and I my wife and I and our daughter actually lived in one of these low-income ghost towns so so-called ghost towns outside of outside of the fifth ring road in Beijing and uh, and you know nice you know 80 to 100 square meter apartments, two bedrooms, one bath, kitchen, nice big living room, terrace, utility room. It's, you know, for washing, for, for their washing machine. Very nice. So th- these are just going up with elevators, of course, going up, you know, 20, 20 25, 30 floors and uh, very nice and clean. That's the one thing that, that just blew me away. And then the other thing that blew me away is as we rented taxis. In May, uh, Amir Khan, a, a member of the China Writers Group, he's a professor at Hunan University in Changsha. and He and I rented a taxi. We went out about a hundred kilometers outside of uh, of Changsha, which is the capital of Hunan. And actually, we went to uh, to Mao Zedong's second wife's memorial. You know, she was beheaded by the KMT for not, you know, for not renouncing the Communist Party and. And, and the and the revolution, so they, they cut her head off. So there's a memorial for her about 100 kilometers. So we, so we got to see the countryside. And I got to see the countryside in, in Huaibei, in northern Anhui, which is almost to the border of Shandong. And also in, in Zhangjiajie went out into the countryside, 50, 60 kilometers, and in Guilin went out into the countryside, 50, 70 kilometers. And they are everywhere. They're building everywhere. I mean, even down to the smallest hamlet they're building. They're just building yeah. apartments and and they're widening roads and putting in roads and bridges and tourist attractions. Now one of the one of the big <laughs> one of the big uh, to replace all the foreigners who who are no longer coming to China. now the big deal the The big thing is red tourism, because the, the now the Chinese are starting to get back to their revolutionary roots, thanks to Xi Jinping, you know, uh, really trying to get people to focus on, you know, the success of, of China since 1949. So, there's red tourist sites coming up, you know, well, this is where Zhou Enlai met somebody, and this is where, you know, Hu Long, a famous general, you know, had a battle with, you know, the KMT here, and, or the, with the Japanese here, so there's all these red. This is where Mao Zedong lived, you know, for one week.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, etc. And and it, so now there's hundreds of millions of Chinese traveling around China, going to all these red si- all these red historical, you know, sites about the about the Chinese Revolution, going back into the Republican period, <clears throat> you know, before before liberation in '49. So it's just it's stunning. And I was like, where, we were, "Where were we? We were like in a. It was a small town. It was. It was like, not even a big city. I forgot. I took a photograph of it. And I'll eventually, out of those thousand photographs and videos, I'll get to it. But they had a tr- a bus station in this small town with these short little, like basically shuttles that." went out into the countryside so that every village can be connected. Even the smallest village, at least once or twice a day, probably once in the morning and once in the afternoon, has little shuttle buses going out into the boondocks to make sure that every village person can get into town, go see a doctor, you know, take care of administrative, whatever it is you know, go, 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 you know, do some shopping, uh, you know, uh, take care of business. <laughs> Where else, you know, can, you know, are you going to see that, see that around the world? I mean, it's just, it's just staggering. So, yeah, you can, what you just told me confirms everything. And I will say one other thing and then ask you another question. I saw, and I will send it to you, Peter. Uh, I saw it. It's a table from the IMF from 2022 maybe you've seen it and it and in and, and purchasing power parity terms not gdp uh, not uh, exchange rate terms like the west likes but in purchasing power uh, parity terms they rank the countries in gdp based on productive gdp what portion of the what portion of the of the economy is productive. And it was staggering. <laughs> China came in first place ahead of second place um, United States, and China was over $15 trillion in PPP terms, and the United States was 5 trillion. So the Chinese economy is three times more productive than the United States, then all the other countries after that just fell off the fell off the fell off the charts. So what you're I just felt- talking about, all this internal development and all, all everything I saw, that's exactly what's going on. They're, they're, beefing, they're beefing up the interior of the country.
1: This is exactly the second point I wanted to make in terms of uh, GDP. I think that threshold was passed either in 2020 or 2021 when China became number one in uh, PPP terms, uh, surpassed the, uh, the the United States. And you, what you just mentioned uh, was the in absolute terms. Now, if you translate that on on a, on a per capita basis, China is also ahead. You know, the, uh, the, the difference is of course a little bit smaller because of the, the huge difference of population. Of the two countries, but still, uh, I think I forgot exactly when when it uh, passed that threshold to 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 bypass the United States. Oh, no, Pete, No, no, no,
0: Peter was 2014. It was 2014 when the when in,
1: the IMF
0: came out and quietly,
1: right, in absolute quietly, terms, in absolute quietly terms, announced
0: in, that. In, that in yes. PPP terms, the China was the biggest economy, and even the Economist magazine had had to say something. It's, so they,
1: that's, they that's said true. It but was 2014. That into per capita. Oh yeah, okay. it it, uh, it, it took a little longer. It okay. was I think, in 20 2020 or 21. Okay, I didn't know that. I didn't know and, that. And and I think and I put that uh, most uh, most of the time when I write something about that. I make sure that the PPP terms are considered because this is the real indicator of the economy. you know. What can you do with the money? What is the as you call it the productivity of the money? Uh uh that's that's really what counts. Well, just like when I told you, I said I, I paid twenty five euros for
0: a kilo of not very good beef and the same kilo the same kilo in China cost eight, you know, a a hater. 10, 10 euros so you know the, the, you know a, uh, a house and a and 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 a, and a, a gallon a, a, or a liter of gasoline and you know a head of lettuce and everything else costs a lot different in geneva in switzerland than it does in china so you know absolutely. we know how that
1: goes absolutely absolutely no no there's a there's a huge difference and now what counts also this this year is the uh, the 10th anniversary of the belt and road Mm-hmm. And uh, they just had a, a huge conference in Beijing, I think last month, I think mm-hmm. in the middle of October something like that, uh, to to actually. And I also wrote something about it uh, to to actually not only uh, take a balance of what has happened up today, but also to to somehow project the future and the direction it it will go in the future. And now with the new BRICS, which will be expanded uh, next year, probably again, uh, the orientation of uh, the Belt and Road will not totally, but to, to some extent, reorient itself towards the BRICS because it's logical. And that's also something which is a, a, a de-dollarization effort. With other words, getting away of the sanctioning program of the West. And another factor that has to be considered, of course, in this, it's very which which makes it much more difficult. If you look at what we used to call convertible currencies in the world, you know there, there's the euro. There are the uh, the, the different Anglo-Saxon uh, currencies. And and the yuan, of course, and and and, and uh, the yen, and so on. There are a number of what was called the, the, the convertible currencies. Those that you those that you usually use for trading. Uh, if if those together are hundred percent, sixty percent, almost sixty percent of them are in U.S. dollars. So the the, the world is flooded with U.S. dollars. And therefore, it's so difficult to get rid of the U.S. dollar to, to mm-hmm. work outside of the real. And compare this: we just talked about the size of the economy. You know that the, the that the uh, that on PPP terms, the, the the China is number one, the number one economy in the world has only about five percent of the total of this uh, money flow in the world. You know. Uh, 60% the US dollar and less than 5% or just about 5% the Yuan. Uh, but it is a solid currency because it's not based on nothing like the, 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 the Euro and the dollar. They're based on, on hot air, not even hot, coal there. Uh, so uh, the Yuan is based on, on a solid economy and uh and and therefore can be can be exchanged anytime against anything they want because it's 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 really a hard currency now all of that this has to be thrown into the balance and and it's a balance which looks at the at the surface as not being equal because you have this strong the united states with so many dollars flooding the world but dollars that are worthless and then on the other hand you have a, an economy with only about five percent of all this currency floating around so you have to to see that actually the measurement of the economy that the west has carved so far isn't as has absolutely no meaning in real terms i think we we have to be clear that other indicators are necessary and the chinese are working on these other indicators and and that's that's what is very very encouraging well until they
0: uh, until they get that those new indicators also china does not include crime in their gdp all criminal activity Absolutely. they don't they don't include prostitution drugs the illegal drugs and all that <laughs> which the united states does yes and then of course you you know just you know what what portion of the what portion of the us economy is military you know, with uh, with a trillion dollar with a trillion dollar military budget, you factor all that out, and and I think they also include uh, uh, the. Uh, you, you you may know more better than I do. Is, is um, Wall Street all you know? Financial activity is also you know pa- pa- paper paper activity is thrown into the U.S. GDP.
1: Administration is the biggest portion of the U.S. GDP. (laughs) Administration, that means legal fees, that means financial fees, Fees, just what you said, that amounts to almost 50%. I think it's about 40%. (laughs) So if if the U.S. economy is, and a lot of it is war material, war production, Mm -hmm. the one which is not outsourced, which is still taking place in the U.S., is close to fifty percent. You imagine if tomorrow would be peace, the economy will collapse. <laughs> and 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 all of that, I think, has to enter somehow into the equation. And the West doesn't talk about it. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's a good thing that we are out now do, and that this is at least a, a sort of an information for people who listen to it. That there's that that not all is the way it looks. Uh, especially not if it's told by the Western media. Yeah. Hey,
0: Peter, it's 11.30. What What time is your train?
1: It's not a train. I can take the car. I'll, okay. I'll, I can take the train, but I think I probably will take the car because I have a little bit more flexibility.
0: Okay. All right. Well, so, let me, well, let me, we, know, let me uh, know if you need to go.
1: Well, well, I don't want well,
0: you to the
1: train. To, sorry. No, I, I wanted to, to tell you uh, maybe one or two small social examples that I've had. maybe I've told you that, before, or at least I've written them, which I think is something which is stunning and which you would n- never find. Or I don't think you would find that in the West. Uh, I have a niece, but or particularly my my wife's niece. It's also my wife my my niece uh, who lives in. Uh, in Shanghai. She just moved back to Shanghai. She had to leave the country for COVID. And she's just back in Shanghai. And not not too long ago, I think in, in August or September, she moved mm. back. She had not too long ago an experience because she used maybe a, a, an old uh, banking card and wanted to get some cash out of a cash machine. And it didn't work. And it was dark, and banks were closed, and everything was closed. And she was kind of desperate, standing there, not knowing what to do. And she told us there was a lady passing by, a Chinese lady passing by, and saw her desperate, and said, "Well, what do you need? What's happening?" And she told her what's, what's happening. She said, "How much money do you need? I give it to you. Uh, I'll I'll give it to you. And uh, and if you if you have the money, you can give it back to me if you want to. Uh, this is." This was so natural. Imagine that happens to you when you're standing at the, at an automat, and you, you, you your, your, life depends on some cash for the weekend. You think somebody would walk up to you and tell you, "Here's the money. If you if you have it back, you can return it to me." I mean, this is stunning. Huh? Yeah. And yeah. and 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 the same experience we I had also with her. It was also her. Uh, when she in 2019 when she was still in, uh, in 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 shanghai and i was then there with my my daughter and we we met with her a number of times and she had this electric uh, moto you know is, is these little motorcycles they all like, oh, mm-hmm. cannot hear them it's dangerous for themselves also because you can't hear them so she came to the hotel and parked the little motorcycle in on on the sidewalk and with with all her bags on it. And so I said, hey, what what are you doing Uh, with the bags? At least give them to me. I put them up in the room or put your motorcycle in the courtyard of the hotel. (laughs) Oh, no, there's no need. Nobody steals, is it? Okay, you know better, but uh just for secure. No, 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 it doesn't don't worry. She left it there, and maybe three or four hours later we came back and everything was there absolutely untouched. You know, in a street but which was not heavily traveled, you know. Mm-hmm. Everything was there. This not even in Geneva you could do that. <laughs> maybe maybe Japan. Maybe, maybe Japan. Japan, yeah. Maybe Japan, Japan is <laughs> It's very similar in the, yeah, yeah, that level of Japan. honesty. It's, it goes in the same direction. Yeah. It must have something to do well, with it. Yeah.
0: In, in Shenzhen, uh, in Shenzhen um, uh, also, by the way, I want to tell you to confirm what you were talking about how people are migrating to the coast, especially after COVID, you know, when the economy took a real hit. Um, I was shocked. I was shocked. Um, when we left Shenzhen in twenty. 19 the uh, the uh, the official population was 14 million and i couldn't believe it i was in the metro it, well, in fact somebody was i was talk i asked somebody what's the population uh, i asked a chinese person what's the population of uh, shenzhen and they said 17 million i said oh that can't i i i didn't say anything but I said, I can't be possible. It was only 14 million in in 2019, and uh, and then I'm I get get on the metro and there's this big you know banner <laughs> sign, selling the you know promoting people to use the metro, and it shows a guy you know going like this with you know the sun you know creating a silhouette. He's he's like this you know with the skyline of Shenzhen behind him. And in Chinese, it said 17 million plus one. So the, <laughs> so the idea was that he was the 17 million <laughs> and, yes, and plus, was plus one. Yeah, he was the one. So it's true. So 2020, 2019, 20, 21, 22, 23. So they, so they, have, so they have added... They have added three million people in four years. Uh, Where else could that happen? And there's no homeless people. It's spotless. There's, there's apartments going up everywhere. So anyway, that, that, so that, that proves that, that, you know, that, that, that there's a lot of people you know, migrating to the coast like you talked about. But same thing, in Shenzhen, 17 million people. Nobody locks their, their electric bikes, nobody. Nobody, mar- you know, their mobilettes and motor scooters and stuff, nobody locks them. They leave their helmets hanging on them. They leave their stuff in the, you know, the side box, the, you know, the side things. Yeah. And then here in France, we've got, you know, at gas stations and grocery stores, they've got the big cages, you know, with the bottles of butane and, you know, butane to cook, you know, for cooking or for heating your house or whatever, although no one can afford it anymore for, for heating your house, that's for sure. But, um, but anyway, here in France, they, they, they literally, they, they gangs show up with chainsaws, you know, you know, even in broad daylight, cutting these, these cages open and stealing the butane bottles, you know, or using, you know, uh, Saws, you know, to cut them. The uh, the the, lo- the little gas station, that, well, about 300 meters away from away from here, told me, you know, he got robbed. He, he had cameras. He had license plate. The license plate and everything. Gave it all to the police. Nothing happened. Nothing happened. And in Shenzhen, they leave their butane bottles. <laughs> On their electric bikes all night long, and no one messes with yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, I know. No one messes with them. It's just yeah. st- staggering. Now they still do lock their bicycles. Mo- I would say, um, I'm talking like just a you know 10 speed, yeah. a 10 speed bike. this most of those are still locked. I guess maybe the maybe the kids, kids find it too tempting to uh, to, to maybe to, to maybe take one, uh, and. Uh, <coughs> for younger kids. So most of those are still locked. But it's just the level of honesty is just amazing. So uh, mm-hmm. so what's the one thing that that impressed you the most? I mean, so it, it just in general about 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 Beijing, what just what impressed you? When you took off to fly back from Shanghai to Geneva, what was the one thing that,
1: that just that, uh, that stayed in your mind? From well, from Beijing, there's a direct flight. Oh, oh yes,
0: from you're from Beijing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well,
1: Well, uh, most everything. I think one of the things that is very impressive, it was very impressive for me, is the, the the subway system, the metro system. You know, for me as a foreigner, not knowing the language, and I mean, I've, I've been many times in Beijing, but still Beijing has grown enormously, as I said. Uh, and it's so easy to operate and it's so efficient. It's so punctual and secure. You know, and you clean can, huh? and clean. Absolutely clean, spotlessly clean. Yeah, you can eat off the floors. Yes, yes, yes. And th- this is this is something which, uh, which impressed me a lot. Also the way, I mean, the Chinese uh, are organized in general, uh, of course you have traffic jams, like uh, uh-huh. they're, they're becoming worse and worse. But uh, aside from that, they're courteous, the way they drive, you know, to, it's, it's not the same of ego, ego, ego in, 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 in cities of Europe where everybody presses ahead and, uh, and follows you, tailgates you on the autobahn. It doesn't exist. It's, it's sort of this type of, uh, of social thing. Then the honesty, as, you, as we just talked about, impressed, impressed me a lot. And then, of course, on the more professional side uh, what i just uh, what we just talked about for quite a while is how they measure the economy and what uh, what the indicators of the chinese economies are uh, versus the western indicators it's a, it's a different uh, totally different story so yes i think there are so many things that impressed me a lot if uh, Maybe the efficiency is one of the things that, that that sticks out. The efficiency, in a very honest way, you know, not cheating. It's 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 true efficiency. People work hard and uh, and and they commit themselves to what they do. Uh, they they love what they do. You can see it, and that's why they're committed to it. They, they sort of love their lives, and this is something which uh, which really impressed me
0: one thing that impressed me in shenzhen and shenzhen is a special city because there was nothing there you know 40 years ago except it was a little sleep you know fishing village with 20,000 people back in 1978 1980 before they started to turn it into a special economic zone so almost everybody there is is from outside of shenzhen there's now a generation of kids you know who were born there <coughs> the first generation yeah, of of native Shenzheners is <coughs> is coming online. but every virtually everybody else is from some. I always ask where are you from? And it's just like, where are you from? you know? And it's just they're from all over. They're from everywhere. and uh, and uh, that's why in Shenzhen, you, all you hear is Mandarin. You don't hear Cantonese like you do in Hong Kong because, they have to speak Mandarin because they're all from different parts of the China, yeah. so they can't speak their local dialects. So everybody speaks Mandarin, which is, which is nice for us foreigners. And uh, but what really impresses me in in Shenzhen and and um, is just the the sense of solidarity and community, and you know people trying to help each other and people you know engaged with each other. The the, 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 the the social, I guess it's a kind of fancy word, but the socialization, the socialization of the people, you know, on the streets and in restaurants. And it's very cool. You know, and it is, it, it must be said, it's, it's basically, it's basically the, uh, it's the San Diego of China. You know, it's very, in the United States, you know, San Diego is known as this very laid back kind of, you know, cool city well that that's Shenzhen it's very laid back it's very I mean it's not like Beijing or Shanghai it's really kind of kind of slow paced and I mean I mean the people are busy but the overall ambience is very sort of calm and subdued and uh, but that's what struck me the most and and then the honesty you know just the honesty yeah. uh, I, I remember I paid somewhere I paid somebody too much. And they, and they and they gave me my money back, you know, and and uh, just stuff like that. So uh, well, listen, my friend, you gotta go someplace outside of Geneva, apparently, so i'm gonna I'm gonna let you go and uh, appreciate you coming getting on this show before we uh, before we uh, before you took off. and I'm gonna tell everybody every, by the way, how does anybody I get emails of you when you write articles for Global Research. Is that your own personal email or is that something Global Research sends out?
1: Uh, Well, no, no, what I send you uh is uh is my my personal email. oh you're
0: okay so if anybody so wants to I follow list,
1: i have a list of uh, of oh. people on okay. uh, on my personal email whom i send uh, these these uh, these articles One, okay. once they have been okay covered. so if anybody wants
0: to i mean if you go to global research and people want to follow what you're writing can they sign up for your stuff or do, or do they get everything from global research
1: they get everything from global yeah. research okay. but what they can do is they can uh, global research has on top e, uh, oh, the, ser- the search article. You, you can press at the bottom on, on the author of the article and you will get you a list all of everything the list, yeah. that I've, I've seen i've seen i've
0: seen i've done that for you <coughs> you, you, you has all your articles going back for several months okay well i will definitely give that link to everybody because your articles are really really up to date. They really, you know, speak truth to to evil power and uh, people need to read your stuff. And so uh, let's try to get together when you get back, you know, in April. Uh, and uh, so I know we've been talking about trying to see each other here in Geneva and I'm in Normandy and and uh, we should have done it sooner. But um,
1: uh, maybe, we, maybe it will be easier to get together in China. In China. Ah,
0: there you go. <laughs> Well, listen, everybody, this is Jeff J. Brown, China Rising Radio Sino Land, signing out with my good friend and comrade Peter Koenig in Geneva, Switzerland. And I'm going to give him a well-deserved Buddhist bow uh, for his amazing work that he does and educating people around the world. And thank you so much for taking time out you know, to see me before you drive off into the sunset. <laughs> Thank All right, much, Jeff, and we'll
1: stay so, in touch. Jeff, thanks. Bye bye. Bye bye. You disconnect, right?